We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. And Jason, we're talking to the Bulls after another blowout loss. The Boston Celtics routing the Bulls 117-94 on Wednesday night, a game that by the time I turned it on midway through the first quarter, the Bulls were already down 16 points. Same story as it's been all year when the Bulls are facing an elite team They're pretty much getting outclassed in every aspect of the game. It's been that way since they've come out of the all-star break. Uh, Help is not on the way in the form of Lonzo Ball. We know that he is out for the season now. And while the Bulls are in the playoffs, it's hard to feel too good about the team at the moment. Jason, we're joined today by Will Gottlieb from CHGO, uh, covering the Bulls now full-time. So we're excited to have Will with us today. And I guess I'll just kick it over to you, Jason. How are you feeling uh, right now after that after that crummy loss yesterday? I mean, really expected at this point. Like, I, I go in every game, like, just talking, trying to talk myself into them, like, maybe competing against a good team. And then, of course, didn't happen. As you said, they were down 17 points uh, with like two and a half minutes ago. They they cut it to seven at one point early in the second quarter. I'm like, oh, maybe they'll actually hang around. Nope, down 16 and a half. The Celtics put on a absolute clinic. I think they had 20 assists in the first half. Uh, I mean, just moving the ball all over the place. We know the Celtics have the best defense in the NBA. Their offense has been humming lately. I mean, they look like a well-oiled machine right now. They're in Milwaukee as we speak. Hanging tough against the Bucks on the second of a back-to-back without Jason Tatum, without Al Horford, without Robert Williams. Uh, just in a different class. We know the Bucks just beat the Bulls' ass the other night. The Heat beat the Bulls' ass over the weekend. Every, every night, the Bulls play these good teams and they get crushed. Uh, and it, like we were, I mean, after the game last night, Billy Donovan and Will, I know Will wrote about Billy Donovan's comments kind of went off, just like how they're just getting crushed on the, the margins. Zach Levine sounded kind of defeated as well. Just really depressing stuff. And like we're going in the play, we're first time in the playoffs in four years. Uh, 
And like, we should be excited. I know a lot of people are, have been saying, like, you know, like this is like where the bulls are at with like 45 wins. It's like a lot of people expected this. Like before the season, we were like, Hey, 45, 47 wins. Like that'd be a great season. That'd be a great step. But just like the way it has played out going from uh, number one seed. And we talked about this last five. They were, I mean, at 60 games in, they were 39 and 21 first seed in the East looking great. And now since then they're what six and 14 or whatever they are since then and getting brutally beaten every time against you. That's, I mean, the fact that they're just getting mauled every time against these good teams is what makes it so disappointing. Like if they were losing, maybe you could point to like some unluckiness, you know, just like they don't maybe don't know how to win like against top level competition yet. Sure. Fine. But I mean, it's just a blowout every night against these good teams and it's, and it's brutal. Uh, so let's bring in Will here. Will, welcome to the show. Congrats on the new gig. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. It's been a while, but um, I always love chatting with you and listening to your show. It's yep. one of the best. So appreciate having me on. Yeah, long time friend of the program. Obviously, he had great stuff going with Mark on Bulls HQ. Now they're with CHGO doing their thing, uh, which is awesome. Great to have another independent outlet covering the Bulls and Chicago sports. So it's really awesome to have them doing their stuff over there. Uh, so yeah, last night's game was brutal. I mentioned how you wrote about how Billy kind of, I want to say I lost it like as much as he can lose it. Just the frustration seeping through, uh, with this team, with the way they've just been non-competitive in all these good games, uh, with you just like covering the team right now, like, and just like seeing Billy talk like this, like what, I mean, what is, where are you at with this team and how, like, how do you think that like just the team is, is dealing with these struggles right now? Yeah, it's a funny time to to come in and start covering the beat on a daily basis because, like you said, I mean, 75% of the way through the season, they're tied for first place. They're playing at a top four level on offense. Um, obviously, the defense without Lonzo and Caruso started to tailspin a little bit, but now they just look like they're a completely different team. People want to like say that they're frauds, and that's like hard to argue at this point, but it's also like, they're just not the same team. So it's hard to even call them fraudulent at this point. They just have completely departed from their identity. And so, yeah, I mean, I haven't been around for the full season to see sort of what the difference is um, in the way that Billy has been talking about it in the way that the players have been just kind of showing up for these brutal losses, which has been fun. Um, But it's just interesting to see the way Billy talk about things where he's just like last night, he just said like, at some point it's like enough, like <laughs> I've had enough of this. And I mean, me too. It's just, it's so weird. Um, I think the biggest thing that is frustrating and cause for concern is that they obviously see all these issues right now. Like the offense is not working. They can't stop any on defense. They can't get over a screen. It's breaking down their rotations. They can't make a shot. They're not making like, I mean, they're three point percentage since the break. It's like (laughs) everything is bad and nobody seems to have an answer for it. I think that's where things get frustrating because you can't identify, you know, you can identify what the problem is, but you can't identify a solution. And so you head into the playoffs now for the first time in five years and you're just kind of like up in arms at what is, (laughs) what is going on here. Will, why did Zach Levine play last night? You could tell from the minute the game tipped off that he just did not look like himself. We know the Bulls had already clinched a playoff spot safe from the play-in tournament before the game began. 
We knew that Alex Caruso was downgraded to doubtful and then ruled out before the game. Uh, I know that Billy Donovan said he was going to talk with Arturis Karnaschovas and they were going to see, you know, where they stood on sort of the rest versus rust question. Uh, they decided to play Zach. He, of course, rested on the front end of the back-to-back one night earlier against Milwaukee. So maybe the plan was always for Zach to play this game, whether the Bulls clinched a playoff spot or not. But given how the circumstances changed, it seemed awfully strange to me that Zach Levine was on the floor playing at, I'm going to say, like 40% strength from what it looked like to to my eyes. So, uh, you know, did you pick up on anything around the team of why Zach played? And, you know, how do you think they'll approach these last two regular season games against Charlotte on Friday and the Wolves on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, the the trope that Billy has been going on is that this is a day-to-day pain management situation. It's not um, something that there's no structural damage to the knee. So he's not at risk of making it worse. And so I think basically they want to play him if he feels like he's able to play. He's obviously a competitor and and will want to be out there every night. Um, But it does not take a rocket scientist to like see what the result of these games is going to be when you're going up against a top three or four team in the East, you know, it's going to happen. They can't beat these teams. So for me, I think it probably would have made sense to rest him. But the other side of that is Billy is very adamant that they continue to work on stuff. um, Try to finish out the season strong, not really quit on some of these games so that they go into the playoffs with a little bit of momentum. Um, the other side of that, though, is that they're not, you just they're end not up getting that. smoked by 30 points. <laughs> it's not really like what momentum are you building? So as far as the Hornets game tomorrow and Timberwolves on Sunday, I would not be surprised if Caruso sits one or both of those. If Zach sits one or both of those, I think DeMar at this point is just full on Iron Man. He's not going to sit. Um, Vucevic doesn't really seem like he has the need, although everything is pretty much locked up. Um, they have no control over who they're going to face in the first round. So I would prefer that they go into it as healthy as they can be. They've got next week off, um, after avoiding the play. And so for me, I think resting makes more sense, but I guess I kind of see Billy's point of just trying to find some sort of momentum going into the playoffs so that you don't enter. I mean, it's like Zach's first playoff game, IO's first playoff game, Pat, Kobe, all these guys, their first taste of the playoffs is going to be coming off of this just brutal stretch of losses. You want to try to build something going into that. Yeah. Like I get it. But then I was, I was just like getting angry watching DeMar play into the fourth quarter last night when they were down by like 25, I was like, just get him out of there. I know he wants to play, but get him out. Please pull him. Uh, we've obviously talked about Billy a bunch here and I feel like there's been kind of a, maybe a shift here. People are tar- starting to turn against Billy. How much I'm, I, I, I always, with coaches, like I, I'm not a coach. I'm an idiot. I don't know. Like I'm obviously I'm not around the Same. team. Like you've been lately. So like, I don't know. It's so hard. It's so easy to blame coaches when things are starting to go bad. And obviously when things go this bad, everyone deserves some blame. How much like, do you think this like just complete failure here? The last is on Billy. Just, I'm really curious because I feel like fans are really starting to turn on him and wondering like, is Billy a good coach? And obviously he has a good track record in college in the NBA how much do you think this is on Billy or do you think this is just bigger, way bigger issues with the injuries, with the roster construction and stuff like that? I think the first thing you have to point to is the injuries. And I know we've been saying this since Derek went down and that really <laughs> set us back. 
and Rondo broke his thumb and we were up 0-2. Um, so, but, but I do really think that the injuries sort of derailed the season and, and you look at the way they were playing their first 60 games. Um, the defense was never really going to be the same without Lonzo and Caruso on the floor. And then you get Caruso back and he's playing 50, 60, 70% of awful. what he was before. I mean, he's just not yeah. uh, the same player right now. Um, and the way that the Bulls defense was constructed was very much built on the ability to defend at the point of attack and not let guys just get over screen super easily. And that, that cascades into Vooch having to guard two at once. And you don't have that roaming free safety in Lonzo ball on the weak side to help you. And basically like if you were to remove Rudy Gobert from the jazz, the jazz defense would suck. If you remove the two best defenders on the bulls, the bulls defense is going to suck when they already have um, sort of some flaws structurally uh, around them. So I think the injuries really did derail it. And then you also talk about like all the transition points that they got off these steals, uh, the lack of three point shooting with Caruso, not being able to shoot at all since he got back um, your highest volume three point shooter and Lonzo is gone. So it is frustrating to just say, to chalk it up to injuries, but I do think that plays a big role. Um, if you're going to, I don't know if you're going to have a problem with the way that Billy's coaching these last 20, 20 odd games, that's fair, but you also probably have to credit him for the way that he coached the first 60, uh, you know, figuring out a way for Lonzo and, or I guess, um, for Levine and DeMar to coexist, figuring out how Vooch can get in there. Obviously he's not making his shots, but I think just in terms of the way that he's built that offense, it kind of works for everybody. Um, and I think if there's one area where you can kind of ding him, it's with the adjustments. Like it took them a really long time to figure out how to beat these traps. And that's basically been sort of the story of the second half is that DeMar gets double teamed every time he touches the ball and, you know, that they walk through how to beat these traps. They understand the reads, they watch the film and all this stuff, but at some point guys have to hit shots. Um, and as we mentioned, nobody can do that right now. So it is, I think a little bit on Billy in terms of making the adjustments and making them quickly. Like I think that's going to obviously be a problem in the playoffs. If you can't adjust to whatever defenses are throwing at you, um, at the end of the day, it's like make or miss league. You got to make your shots. One guy who is on the floor for the Bulls right now is Patrick Williams. After missing five months, he's been back, made his first start recently, uh, had a nice little stretch there against the Clippers. After, I think, going the first 30 minutes of the game without taking a shot, he has the big dunk. He hit a big couple big threes in that game. Uh, played decent against the Bucks the other night, too. 18 points, 7-9 shooting in a game the Bulls were never really in. But then, you know, last night against Boston, that was sort of like bad Pat. Uh, only finishes with five points, two of ten shooting from the field. Wasn't really looking for his own offense. I still have some issues with how he's being used by the coaching staff. I would like to see him do anything other than be used as a floor spacer. Get the guy setting some screens. Get him, you know, uh, in motion on cuts. Let him get into his mid-range bag a little bit. I know Billy didn't like when he did that last year, but it is like a strong suit of his game, I would say, at this point. So curious what you think of Pat going into this postseason. Do you expect him to be the starter until this season's over after he started last night against the Celtics? Uh, you know, how much can the Bulls realistically expect from him and what have your impressions of him been on both sides of the ball? I think that's 
one of the biggest questions is that you really don't know what to expect from him on any given night, because it really seems like what it comes down to is just his aggression. Can he, is he going to decide to like show up and have an impact on the game? And, you know, last night he said this, I don't know if he like really meant to have it come off this way, but he said that he kind of lacked confidence going against Tatum and Jalen. And I mean, that's, that's kind of concerning. Like, you know, he's a 20, 20 year old kid and doesn't have any sort of experience at this level. Um, so maybe that wasn't really the way that he meant it, but I think it kind of showed up in his game. Right. And you see that a lot where he just, he passes up shots um, or he, he dribbles out of shots and, they really need him to be that version that he was in the second half of the Clippers game um, where he's attacking closeouts where, you know, if DeMar is getting trapped and Vooch or whoever it is, gets the ball in the pocket, he's cutting baseline and getting those dunks. Um, Ricky, to your point, I thought he looked really good in that one possession where he was a screener for DeMar and he slipped out. And that was the play where he had that dunk on Hartenstein. So I think involving him, in whatever way they can definitely like he's going to inherently be more engaged if he's a part of the offense. I think that's kind of the critique of the bulls offense in the second half is that it's a lot of DeMar ISOs, right? There's not a lot of ways to get everybody else involved. So that could just be like a inherent roster flaw. Um, but I, I agree. Say, like, that, yeah, that's one of the reasons like people have brought up in terms of like criticizing Billy that it's just got, gone like two. I mean, obviously, Demar and Zach like those guys are always going to do a lot of ISO ball, but like it's it's very Demar centric right now, uh, mm-hmm. and everyone's standing around. But on the other hand, it's like no one else again. No one else is doing anything. Yeah, so what's the like, alternative? So it's like, yeah, what else is like you going to do at this point? It's like giving the ball to Demar and him pounding and shooting is almost your best bet. But obviously, their offense is ranked toward the bottom of the league and post all-star break so it's but if no one else is gonna make shots i mean i know like the post-game shows and stuff has talked about how they got to pound vooch and pound vooch but it's like he's been all he was awful the last three games and like pounding vooch often yeah, is not he, going to work like so it is it is tough so it's like that's why it's I, that's why i've been hesitant to criticize billy but that is a big point that people are brought up it's just like too much hero ball too much way too much tomorrow centric but when other guys can't do anything either it's like what are you gonna do man <laughs> I think part of it is that like in scenarios where DeMar is not being trapped, those are sort of his opportunities to score because he's, he's getting doubled every single time he touches the ball. The other thing is that the passing along the perimeter, I think is too slow. It just, it needs to be quicker. They need to like basically be able to exploit those defenses for doubling DeMar. And by the time, you know, whoever catches it on in the pocket swings it to the perimeter the defense is back. Like they can't, it can't be like a full second to think about your pass. That just isn't going to be good enough. And that's really how these traps are being the bulls where it should be like a, a present, like a gift, you know, they're getting an opportunity to go four on three. That's, that's a bucket every time. But I think the decision-making and just the speed that they're playing with is not good enough. Yeah, I mean, you just look at the game last night against Boston. Boston is whipping the ball over the place. 20 assists in the first half, getting wide open threes. They, what are they, hit like 17 or 18 threes? Because I think the Bulls were, I think they were trapping Tatum at times and he was whipping the ball around. They'd find a wide open three point shooter. And it was as simple as that. That's kind of like I saw people on Twitter talking like that's what the Bulls kind of looked like in the first half of the season. Yeah. They had Lonzo out there because Lonzo was such a quick decision maker, finding those open shooters. Obviously, they were making them more. I mean, part of it's probably because they were in a better rhythm. Like, 
uh, getting guys those open shots. And now that's just not happening. Like you said, things are happening too slow. Uh, the shots aren't quite as open. Uh, and it's just like, and it's like when, when exactly, like when you miss a shot, these guys aren't knock down sharp shooters enough to have that, like, you know, it's kind of cliche and corny, but like that next play mentality of, okay, I just missed my last three threes. So I'm going to dribble into an 18 footer now or hesitate and record scratch. And now the defense is set. Like they need to keep shooting and the bulls don't have pretty much anybody who's a reliable high volume three point shooter. I mean, it's not falling for Javante right now. It's not falling for IO. It's not falling for Kobe even. Um, And I I think they're kind of just like letting it get to them in a way that is really bleeding into the rest of their offense. Uh. Will, what team, of course, this is the question <laughs> fan base is talking about. I know what you're going to say. What team do they have the best chance against? What do you think? Uh, the standing's still super bunched up uh, at the top of the conference. Could be the Sixers, could be the Bucks, could be the Celtics. Yeah, we have games going on right now that will like help. I feel like this. the answer is like whoever is like the who, whoever beat the Bulls up least recently. So like <laughs> Philly <laughs> before, before yesterday, everybody was like, Oh, they can beat the Celtics. They don't have Robert Williams and they lose by 30. And it's like, okay, maybe they can't actually beat the Celtics. Um, so I've, I don't know. There's like that level of recency bias there. I, I mean, they've literally never beaten Joel Embiid. I don't see that happening. <laughs> right. At the same time, they're kind of the, the team that is floundering the most out of those three. Like Milwaukee is playing their best basketball right now. Boston is playing their best basketball right now. Um, so as crazy as it is, um, maybe the Sixers, like, I, I can't even believe I'm saying that, but you would think Miami, I think that's at this point out of the question, they're going to be the number one seed. Um, but it's really up to these teams and they're like tank fest to get into that third seed so that they can place, face the bulls. Everyone wants to play the bulls right now. Will, do you, can you possibly Give the listeners one reason for Bulls optimism heading into the postseason. Is there anything that you're seeing right now that makes you think, well, maybe if this happens, we can take a game or two. And if you take a game or two, maybe you get a hot shooting night and take another game. Is there anything you can think of right now that is a reason for optimism heading into the first round? Yeah, I think the the getting hot thing is definitely probably your best bet. and. That sounds kind of like a cop-out answer, but if you look at the way that they shot the ball in the first half of the season compared to how they've been shooting it lately, it is like number one in the league, and now it's number 30 in the league. And when you have those kind of swings, like if you get hot at the right time, maybe you shoot back up and that sort of snowballs in that way. Um, So I think that could be one reason Um, more realistically, and Billy kind of said it last night is that it's probably better that they're facing this sort of downswing now, as opposed to in the first round of the playoffs. Like if you, if you imagine DeMar seeing these traps for the first time in game one against the Sixers, uh, I mean, there's just no way they would have adjusted fast enough to, to be competitive in that series. And maybe they won't be anyway, but I think just having seen some of these different looks and being able to adjust out of them, um, and start to learn how to beat them, even if they haven't been super successful yet. Um, I, I, they have sort of a foundation of being able to snap out of this, whether it relies on super streaky shooting or not. I mean, I think it's probably better to see these things now than for the first time in the playoffs. 
we've my talked about for, go go ahead go ahead Ricky. i was just gonna say my reason for optimism is just damar i think the story of damar's career to this point has been defined by his failures in the postseason now at age 32 put together the best year of his career i truly believe his game is built for the postseason and i think that you've seen it over the last week or two that damar has been able to rise to the occasion when he hasn't been face seeing two every time he's on the ball right so I think just like the way DeMar has remade his game is a natural fit for playoff basketball. The issue is like, is he going to have any help? And after seeing how horrible Levine looked last night in the loss to the Celtics, you know, if they don't have that other guy who can really threaten a defense, and if you're just relying on Vooch taking six threes a game and, you know, you hope that he is one of his nights where he hits a few, but uh, if Levine isn't going to be healthy enough to attack the basket and, be that other focal point an opposing defense has to key in on. I, I'm just worried that, you know, DeMar can go out in a blaze of glory, but it's an unwinnable fight. And so, like, I do think that there is still a path for maybe DeMar to play the hero in the playoffs because I, I think he's going to be poised for a great first-round series. I really do, as crazy as it sounds. I mean, but- he should. He's, like, scoring 50 every other game. Like, I, I think he's absolutely capable of that. The other thing I would say that you brought up, which I think is a really good point, is where Zach falls into all of this. Um, the Bulls, I don't think they've really shown their whole hand in terms of what their offensive arsenal can look like. They did a couple of plays with Zach screening for DeMar in the pick and roll against the Clippers where Zach would slip out. And I, I really think that's like unguardable. I mean, to have to make the decision like that quickly where Vooch is kind of like a slower screener he'll like set the screen the defense has time to trap and then you know when Vooch is falling back to the free throw line it's it's a cramped floor there's not a lot of space for DeMar to operate but if Zach's in those positions um and he slips out to the three-point line there's way more space for DeMar uh but mostly he's just going to be wide open and he's you know a great enough shooter that he's going to make those shots so I think those two playing off of each other is probably something that you're going to see a lot of and rather than like waiting for, you know, the defense to throw something at you to adjust to, I think they need to just come out firing with that and basically force a defense to figure that out. Yeah. And I was going to say, we've been trying to talk like Kobe white into winning a playoff game for the bulls into existence, like this entire time. Uh, so maybe yes. we get that. Are we talking about getting hot? We need Kobe to have a Kobe game to get one. Uh, obviously I don't think any of us think they're going to actually win a series here, but, uh, uh, that's one way for sure. And then I guess maybe just having the week off will maybe help health wise, like get Zach. They won't, there won't be any back to backs. You'll get Zach. I would guess Zach plays tomorrow, like regular season home finale. I, I would bet they, the main guys play. There's no reason to play anybody on Sunday in Minnesota. I feel like, uh, so just get Zach a full week plus off. Maybe that knee will feel a little better. Maybe that'll help him going in the series, get a little extra juice. Same with Caruso. Uh, so you hope that can help them. I say, hope you get a Kobe game in there. Uh, and then I guess hope someone gets hurt. Or if we're talking about the Sixers, uh, the Sixers are currently, as we speak, down eight in Toronto. Uh, and the, they are, again, getting smoked without Embiid on the court. And obviously Embiid has absolutely destroyed the Bulls. But the Sixers bench is horrible. And uh, no matter who they throw out there behind Embiid, they always lose those minutes. I know in the playoffs, Embiid will end up playing like 40, probably to 45 minutes anyways. But maybe there, we're talking about the Sixers. If Harden is cooked and he sucks, uh, I know playing the Sixers, I'm just like not looking forward to it because losing to them in 
watching them shoot like 40 free throws a game would absolutely make me lose my mind. But like, if we're talking about maybe having a chance, the Sixers have been just kind of, kind of whatever it was there. Embiid's awesome, but they've been so bad with him on the bench. Like, Again, he will, he'll play most of the minutes, but maybe they can take advantage of that. I don't know. Obviously, we're grasping at straws considering the. No, I think that's a good close, point but... too, because um, the the Sixers also don't really have the level of perimeter defenders that I think the Heat, Celtics, and and Bucks have. And so, when you talk about Demar being built for the playoffs, you know, okay, throw Matisse Thybul at him, sure, but then Zach's got you know who guarding him like. They, they just don't really Maxie, have anybody Harden. Yeah, exactly. They yeah, have, they I have guess they do have Danny to, Green back, but like, he's not as good as he used to be. It's going right. to be a lot of, but there, there's, there's places to exploit. Um, and if you drag Vooch out to the perimeter and hope you can hit some shots it moves and beat away from the rim. But, uh, Damar basically like these defenses are built to give you the shots that Damar wants to take anyway. So I don't really, you know, if he, if he attacks the rim and maybe gets Embiid into foul trouble and then, you know, Embiid's got to step out to guard Vooch. There's, there's avenues there. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, we're just kind of like <laughs> grasping for straws, best case scenario, but that's what you have to do when you're uh, the underdog. I mean, yeah. this, it's not like they're coming into any of these series as the favorite. And so things really have to break right for you and break wrong for whoever they face. Yeah. I've been saying it for weeks on this podcast. I think they have the best chance against the Sixers. It sounds totally crazy because you know that they can't stop Embiid. Part of the reason I want this matchup is because I'm morbidly curious if Embiid can average 50 a game for the series. <laughs> but I think if you're going into that matchup from a coaching perspective, what you do is you, you let him Harden yeah. beat you as a driver. I saw a stat that Harden's one of three players in the league making under 50% of his layups yeah. this year. It's been the story of Harden's year is that he has just lost that explosion around the basket way more so than the explosion in his first step. He can still bend the defense at times off the bounce. What he can't do is elevate around the basket and finish. And what you'll see him doing is just like basically throwing the ball left and right, trying to like draw a foul any way he can, trying to basically hit someone with the ball Griffin. to hope the reps call a foul. So if you're playing that series, what you do is, all right, Embiid's going to score 50. So just spot the Sixers 50 right off the bat. And you just stay glued to the shooters and try to make Harden make layups. And uh, you hope top 15 coach of all time, Doc Rivers, finds a way to choke it away because he's done it in the past. He's done they do have the formula for for really having a explosive flame out in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of how they're built too, is like they're going to have George Yang try to hit four or five threes in a game and Danny green out there and maxi. So, they, I mean, they definitely have that element of variance that I think the bulls are kind of lacking right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, you stick Caruso on Harden, make him really work to get into the painted area and then, um, hope that Vooch can just like keep him in front to where he's got to take those five, six, seven foot floaters instead of like getting all the way into the teeth, Vooch having to come, or the, sorry, the help having to come over and that's where you're spraying it out to shooters. So it's definitely, it's the same thing for whoever the bulls play too. It's like a question of, do you try to trap Demar and make everybody else beat you? Or do you let Demar get his 50 and assume that the rest of the guys aren't going to be able to contribute? 
Maybe uh, uh, Sixers role players won't actually like. I feel like every all all I know the Bulls defense is bad, but it feels like every one of these games, these teams' role players are just making like fifty percent of their threes. I think yeah, if, it, if like, it's not Gabe Vincent, it's Furkan Korkmaz. Yeah, Korkmaz <laughs> or Georges Niang, and obviously you had in the Celtics game yesterday. You had Pritchard. I mean, Pritchard. I know has been on fire in general. Is doing it right now, but like all these role players and the bull, that's a huge problem. The Bulls, Bulls role players can't shoot. I mean, Bulls just can't shoot in general. And all these other teams have these role players making coming off the bench and hitting four or five threes. And it's just a huge, it's just a, a such a dis- disadvantage for the Bulls that they just don't have the three point shooting is just so low right now. It's, it's brutal. Yeah. And they're not taking them either. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, it's been tough. But, you know, we had our conversation uh, after the Bucks game, Jason. So much of that conversation turned to like what the Bulls can do in the future. Like we already like moved on to trading Vooch and I wrote the Vooch trade a massive bust. And the more I think about it, that rant in that podcast isn't like super sitting well with me just for several reasons. One, it's like obviously the story for the Bulls in the second half of the year has been the injuries and they were a really good team and all the pieces seemed to fit in place. When Lonzo was at 100%, when Zach was at 100%, when Caruso was at 100%, and even when Vooch did have his trick-or-treat nights, he was still bringing you, you know, tangible benefits every time he took the floor. And I think we can all sit here and agree that if you are going to trade Vooch, it's going to be pretty tough to find someone who's an upgrade on him in the center position because they need a center 
who can space the floor for DeMar's mid-range attacks. You also need a center who can like catch and pass, uh, you know, when teams trap DeMar. And there's just like not that many players in the league that fit both those qualities. So I want to think a little bit about the future of this roster, Will. And it's a, it's partially about Vooch heading into the last year of his contract. And, you know, if you think that the Bulls should or will try to aggressively move him to try to find a new option at center or is the bulls you know is there another problem with this roster and what i keep coming back to is just like uh the availability of ball and caruso how they play the game the amount of stress their games puts on their bodies it's something i've noticed watching caruso uh since he returned the dude just doesn't know how to play at like 85 percent. he doesn't even know how to play at 95 percent. he goes hundred percent on every possession of every game even when he's playing injured he's throwing his body all over the floor like a football player and he really has never had to play this many minutes in his career right like when he was on the lakers he was in a smaller role uh he very much had the ability to go balls to the wall right when he was on the floor because they didn't really need him to play that many minutes i don't know you know what his minutes per game average was on the lakers i would guess it was like 20 20 20 right and now you're looking at like oh he's probably a 30 minute per game player and you need him on the floor for like at least probably 70 games if you're going to be a really good team in the regular season and then you look at lonzo he's you know playing 60 percent of the games every year of his career pretty much so while there's a lot of talk about vooch being the potential scapegoat I'm wondering if like the real problem is just like putting a little bit too much stress on ball and Caruso to cover up for the defensive shortcomings of DeRozan and Zach. And if there is any other way to sort of fix or address this problem, now perhaps players get a little smarter as they get older and as they get more accustomed to their roles. Obviously this is the first year this team has really been in place Uh, And it's new for everyone. It was new at the beginning of the season when they were winning. It's new for everyone at the end of this year when they've been hurt and injured and they suck. But just curious what you think, like, you know, they should do coming into this off season. And uh, I guess you could start with Vooch. And if, if you thought we were being a little too harsh on Vooch (laughs) in our last episode. Um, I've been trying to be uh, very even minded about Vooch. And I think in general, I tend to lean on the side of, you know, he does a lot of things at a very good high level. Even if the shot isn't falling, he contributes in a ton of other ways. Um, At a certain point, it's just like, you got to hit your shots. And if you're not doing the things that you're supposed to be good at, then what are you doing? Um, I don't see a way where they upgrade on Vooch at center, but I think you don't necessarily even need to look at it that way where, you know, if you could trade Vooch for somebody like Kelly Olenek, for example, you know, you're getting a good three point shooting big who can specialize in these pick and pop scenarios. Doesn't necessarily have to worry about um, being the short roll playmaker, even though I do think that's important, but if you're strong enough at, you know, spacing it out, um, then maybe Caruso or Patrick Williams can start to operate as the uh, as the role man. So I, I think that would give you a little bit more flexibility to one see what you have in some of the, some of your other guys and sort of diversify 
the offense, but also then be a little bit more of like, have a little bit more certainty in what you're getting from your center. Um, like miles Turner is maybe a better, better example of that, where, you know, what you're getting from him on a rim protection side and you know, he can shoot the ball. Um, even if you sacrifice the post scoring and the short road playmaking, like you can sort of cater your offense to something like that. So I don't know if they have the ammo to go out and get any of those guys like Cody and you guys had talked about Rudy Gobert. That'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think at a certain point that you're kind of just deciding between like the sunk cost of, you know, you traded your picks in Wendell for Vooch and he's not playing well. So you got to dump him because you have this window where Demar's got two years left on his contract. You got to do something versus, you know, Vooch is an all-star. He's, you know, made the all-star game twice. He's obviously a very good player. He's obviously also having a very bad year. Do you have a little bit more patience where we can see whether he can turn this around in the final year of his contract? Um, or yeah, do you kind of take the hit and maybe downgrade a little bit and specialize at center? Um, as far as Caruso and ball and health in general, um, I don't know, man, like the, the Caruso thing was obviously a freak accident that you're probably not going to budget him missing games for that next year. Um, although I don't know, maybe to your point, like the way that he plays, he was hurt for a while before that too. Yeah. And I think some leg injury and and maybe just playing that, you know, frenetically he's more prone to get injuries. Um, Lonzo obviously hasn't played a full season. I don't think in his career. So that's definitely a concern, but that's also probably why like you pay these younger guys to see if they can grow into that. Like they still do have a lot of room for internal development with Pat. I think Kobe's probably, you know, going to move on after this season, just because he's one of the few, I mean, you could quibble over this, but one of the few young trade chips that they have. Um, and it just hasn't really worked out. So I think you have to assume better health next year and assume some internal development. And I I think there are ways to get better on the margins for sure. But if you just specialize in, I mean, they need shooting. They just, they have not shot the ball well enough and uh, enough in general. Um, So that's really where I would be looking to improve because that also makes DeMar better, right? Yeah, they need shooting that can defend. And they just don't have enough two-way players on the roster. It's been something Jason and I have been saying on the podcast since we started the podcast during, uh, you know, the rock bottom portion (laughs) of the last rebuild. And it's hard to do. And, you know, they gave Tristan Thompson part of the part of the an exception that they could have used this offseason. So they're not going to have very many available uh, avenues towards improving the team. I think that's why everyone's been talking about trading Vooch. Yeah, it's going to be a very difficult situation for the front office, and this is why they earned their money. And they came up big, I think, this last offseason, doing enough to get the team into the playoffs. You got to run before you can walk. You got to crawl before you ball. And they they crawled this year. Right? <laughs> they, they did make serious improvement on the team. I think in general, this was the first year it was fun to be a Bulls fan since probably 2015 uh, when they made the second round series, when they had – Jimmy and D Rose uh, lost to the Cavs that year with LeBron. Uh, David Blatt should have been called for a technical foul in that game. Yes. Total garbage. But this was the first year it was fun to be a Bulls fan in a long time. 
And just because the year ended on such a bummer note, I do want to keep that perspective. But the thing that's hanging over it is like, okay, what's next? Right. And you're still out the 23 pick. You're still out the 25 pick. I'm not even talking about like, oh, I wish they had those picks. So they could take a player. No, I wish they had those picks so they could trade them again. It's kind <laughs> of another upgrade on this team because they got this veteran team that I think needs some reinforcements. And we're going to have to have a, do we trade Patrick Williams conversation again this offseason, just like Jason and I, and Will, I know you did too, uh, had that conversation at the trade deadline. My current thought is that the Bulls are no longer close to contending for a championship. This is just how I currently feel. And because of that, instead of trying to like get their championship chances up like one or 2%, I'd rather just keep Pat. Let's see if let's see if Pat can develop. And then maybe one day down the line, if Pat does make some like pretty big improvements, he can be in a trade package for like a superstar, not just like a marginal upgrade. Uh, and maybe that comes a few years down the line and it doesn't align with DeMar's prime. That all rhymed. So does that. <laughs> Uh, so that's just kind of what I'm thinking right now about the future of the team. And it's tough because you wish you could be more optimistic going into the postseason, but it's, it's, it just really feels like we're grasping for straws at this point. Yeah. But I do, I think the perspective piece that you mentioned is an important one. Uh, I went back to listen to our preseason predictions from the bulls HQ days. And I, I think I said like 45 wins in the sixth seed, which is exactly where they'll end up. And I think like, if you were to ask me at that point, whether that'd be a successful season, I would say, hell yeah. Like they went from, you know, high twenties, low thirties for the last five years to mid forties, um, on a team that like a lot of people thought that they would not be this good. And obviously it didn't really happen the way that you might've hoped. Like you said, crawl before you ball, like they they started running and then they stumbled and then they fell flat on their face. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, maybe they can get back up and at least like go for a little stroll here in the playoffs. But um, I do think that this is a really positive step of a season and the last 20 games have been a tough pill to swallow, but I I would say this is still progress. Um, And I think also, if you look at player development and how much it probably hurt Zach Levine never playing in the playoffs until year seven, um, like Kobe and Pat and IO are not going to have that problem. They're going to have playoff minutes early in their career. And I think that changes you and helps you understand, you know, the attention to detail and the focus on, um, yeah, just the details. And I think that will inspire them and motivate them and hopefully help them get better because I I think you're right. Like the, the avenue to acquiring that second or third star, however you want to qualify it, um, is probably Pat developing in a like tremendous way and him turning into something that could be star reminiscent to where either makes that leap or they can trade him for something. So, um, I, I do really think these games matter and the way that DeMar has sort of become the mentor of the group. I think that will help Zach, um, you know, learn how to take care of the, the ball in closing minutes and um, sort of turn him into a player that, uh, you know, we focused a lot on the weaknesses that he had in his game over the last couple of years. And hopefully, you know, DeMar, those are a lot of DeMar's strengths and hopefully those will translate. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I meant to ask this a little earlier. We're talking about Lonzo and Crusoe's health. Is there concern about Lonzo like long term? Like, like, what is like? Do we know what the deal is? It's just the bone bruise. This is not healing. Uh, is there something we like should be worrying about? They gave him a four year contract. He's been hurt uh, multiple times in his career. Is that something to be concerned about long term? When we're talking about looking ahead and how there is there is some reason to be optimistic still because if Lonzo is healthy, like. He's good. If hopefully Iowa and Pat take leaves tomorrow is still great. Zach hopefully gets healthy. And uh, I mean, Zach, I would assume will be back uh, on a max contract or something, but if the, the health is an important issue there. So with Lon- Lonzo, especially, I mean, Lonzo and Zach, are you worried about them at all long-term? It's really hard to say at this point, because we don't really, I mean, Zach, especially, we just have no idea. Yeah. He's going to have like a more thorough, you know, examination of his yeah. knee get a scope to see there's no structural damage. I don't really know what that means, but it sounds like he's headed to some sort of procedure this summer, which I don't know if that affects his contract or not Uh, with the bone bruise. I mean, I, I think these things tend to heal, but sometimes slower than others. Um, Somebody asked Billy last night, if this was like a cause for a longer term concern. And he basically said, I don't know. And so that that's, that's kind of all I know. Great. <laughs> no, no, I, it's, uh, it's just been I'm weird. Gonna, it's been weird. I'm going to ask you a really unfair question and put you on the spot. Is there <laughs> any player that's a realistic acquisition this summer? Does not need to be a big name, just like a guy who you mm. think will help the team. I think Kelly Olynyk was a good name to throw out there, so you can double down on Kelly Olynyk. Or if there's anyone else you think could be like a decent acquisition, and to give you some time, I'll set it up by saying, look at Niang. With the Sixers, like Niang was such a good sneaky addition. I don't know how much money they gave him off the top of my head. I believe it was something like two years, six million. And obviously, like he's played a big part in the Sixers uh, building a team that fits Embiid's skill set better than, you know, the team that they had two years ago going into the bubble. So, you know, is there is there a guy out there in the league who you think might be uh, a good fit for this Bulls roster, even if it's not a star level player. I'm scrambling to look at who's even out there. Um, Olenek would have to be a trade and he's definitely somebody that I would like uh, as far as just like a known quantity as a shooter. Although I think his shooting is like pretty down this year. Um, I don't know what, uh, when Joe Ingles will be back from his ACL tear, but as a just absolutely knockdown shooter who can handle the ball, makes quick decisions, uh, not the best defender, but um, sort of understands the spacing on the floor and where to be. Uh, He'd be great. I don't know what kind of contract he'd be looking at. Um, You and I have brought up uh, Hartenstein. I think he's really good. Like his um, like projected numbers, like per 75 possessions and stuff like that are outrageous, like Jokic level. Obviously he's not that player, but he's a great passer. He's a great rebounder. He's a great rim protector. Um, so I think he'd be great. And that's kind of an area where the bulls are weak. So those are just a couple of names. I'd have to do some more research, um, as far as like who else is even out there. Uh, I'm thinking, I like, like those three. Yeah. Those are all good names. A bunch thinking, of white guys, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to name another white guy. Oh no. Mike Muscala. I was thinking he's been kind of good. Yeah. The Thunder. He could sort of shoot the three. He's kind of an advanced stats darling. I think they yeah, give me the advanced to- stats guys. They need, well, you know who else is one of those guys? Another <laughs> white guy, Luke Cornett. We talked about <laughs> Luke Cornett is the advanced stats white guy. Darling. Big shot, Bob. <laughs> yeah, that was horrible. But, uh, you know, I think they need size and they need shooting. 
So those are the two areas they need to address. Ideally, they need big shooters. Now, oh, you know who I want is uh, I want to find a way to get Cameron Johnson. I don't think that the Suns are going to pay Love him. They, they can't afford to keep everybody. So I don't know what the trade is there, but he's really good. And he's 26 years old and he played with Kobe. And I mean, they just need a guy who can defend and shoot threes at a super high level. And he is that to a T. Not that he shoots now, threes, think- but if the Suns are going to be cheap, uh, go after DeAndre. Throw yeah, there's some, throw- there's some Vooch, Patrick, and yeah. all the draft picks for Aiden and Cam Johnson deal in there somewhere. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sounds great. Sign me up. Um, What was I going to say? Oh, I was, I was just, the shooting point is just like, just watching these other games again, the Celtics and Bucks are close here. The Celtics, I think, have like 21 or 22 two threes, and they just have guys all over the court. And the Bulls, like, too often, I found that these games, it's like we want Derek Jones Jr. to play, but then it's like kick out to Derek Jones Jr. for a wide open three, kick out to Javante Green for a wide open three, kick out to like Io, who's struggling now. They just, these, these guys just, they can't, they need more. And Caruso, too, he has no shoot. They just have so many guys who just can't shoot. Like, I like them as players, like, just like individually, but like, together there's too many guys who you can leave wide open and they just need like i feel like like between like javante and Derek jones you know i know djj is gonna be a free agent i'm assuming not coming back he seems like he's almost a doghouse guy like i feel like you have like one or two of those guys and then like one of them another needs to be a shooter like troy brown jr can't shoot bring in a wing who can actually shoot to take like his rotation spot just like watching all these other teams like rain threes and sounds like you want to see some matt thomas minutes (laughs) I've saw enough of those because he can't really <laughs> shoot either. Even though his percentages said he was okay. I, I think you're right. Like they have all these guys that like, if they could shoot, they'd be really yeah. good. Yeah. Right. And that's that if it's and, not really working out just right like, now. And you just really like the idea of them. Like, I love the idea of like, I ask you play Jerry Jones jr. At the five, like almost exclusively, but they're playing Tristan Thompson. And uh, just that, I don't know if they're promising him minutes or what, but he hasn't been any good. What, what has been your, your take on the Tristan Thompson experience. I know Ricky absolutely hates it. I fucking hate Tristan Thompson. <laughs> uh, I don't think he's been very good on the court. Um, the, the, the one argument I think you have for him is that like, he's a good rebounder, but to that, I would say that offensive and defensive rebounding are two very different skills and the bulls have like a defensive rebounding problem. They're last in the league and have been all year in offensive rebounding. Tristan Thompson is not going to make them a better defensive rebounding team. He doesn't box out. He's there to like fight on the offensive glass. Um, I don't know if you guys talked about this or somebody else, but the way that he sort of was in there to guard Giannis, but ended up just like sagging 15 feet yeah, off of him and letting Giannis get like a full runway. I mean, that's just not going to work. Yeah. And then you talk about the lineups where he's playing alongside Vooch, just spare me. Um, <laughs> I, I really like Derek Jones. You definitely you you sacrifice a lot there in terms of size in terms of um reliable iq i would say and reliable three-point shooting but one of the things that the bulls were best at early on in the season was moving uh really quickly in rotations getting steals and running in transition he's probably the best um this side of javante uh on that on the bulls roster right now so i think if you just like find ways to juice the defense to turn it into offense, like the two sides of the court are connected and they, they need some sort of spark. So he got back into the rotation. He, you know, I, I think he works best as a five. You can't really play him along Tristan. So I don't know how that would really work. Maybe Javante and Patrick are also out there, but 
the shooting is just not reliable, but I, I do right. think he adds value in a way that Tristan doesn't. Um, but I, I also think that the locker room stuff is real and that the mentorship that Tristan provides Zach, especially, um, those two are clutch homies and Tristan's been to the finals a bunch of times. Um, I, I do think that he has a voice in the locker room. So maybe there is some, I don't know, they paid him. So it's not quid pro quo, but, uh, probably some minutes being promised there. And I don't really know what you do at the backup five, if it's not Tristan, but I, I like Derek Jones a lot. Um, yeah, me too. I've been yeah. saying it all year. We need Derek Jones at the five. Give me like even Demar at the five. Like I, I want to get weird. They need they need something. Like, get more. Have, have they, they have they, all these small guards? They played Pat at the five. Do something weird. They played Pat at the five in what the Clippers game? Didn't they play? Which game was it? They played. Pat yeah, it was the, the Clippers a game. Bit. It was yeah. like the last minute of and obviously the Clippers regulation. Also. And the Clippers play ridiculously small too. So obviously it's a situation where you can get away with that. Like I don't know if the Bulls can really do that against these other teams in the East, but uh, play Pat at the five more. I, I, I might as well like, get just fucking wild here. Like you're, you're going to be a huge underdog and you have you have no exactly. chance. You, it's not had no chance. You may as teams. well try something like, go, like Nick nurse has been like, no, no was renowned for just trying crazy shit out. Like why not get, uh, get, just get creative, get, do some crazy stuff here, throw some teams off. Maybe, the, maybe they're saving that for the playoffs. I don't know. Maybe that's their ace up their sleeve, but uh, they've definitely, uh, like had a few possessions here and there where they switched everything and went small with Pat at the five or had Javante and DJ out there at the same time. So I feel like, you know, there, there is some creative stuff that Billy can go to that he, ha- that he hasn't yet, but um, maybe he's just like waiting for the playoffs. So that that's maybe a sign for optimism, but uh, yeah, I, I think they just got to do something because it's not working right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, update here. The, the Raptors did beat the Sixers tonight. Harden was like three at 12. Just another dog shit performance from him. So that means the Raptors are basically, that, I mean, the Bulls are going to be six. We expect that anyways, but I think they're two games up on the Bulls now with two games to play for both teams. So that's basically it. Bulls are sixth. Uh, Philly, that loss for Philly drops, keeps them in fourth. And they're probably, it's probably going to be Phillies or Phillies, Sixers, Raptors. So like this Boston Bucks game coming down to the wire here. Could have a huge impact on who the Bulls play, who ends up third. Uh, was Boston right now is 50 and 30, and the Bucks are 49 and 30. Celtics just missed an o- a three. So the Bucks haven't given a ch- good, ha- good chance. Of lo- right now, it's looking probably like Boston or Milwaukee, which is our fucking nightmare, I guess. But the Celtics thing, I know, like I could talk myself into just liking to play the Celtics. So we got Ricky's bo- Bulls and six. Give me, we could get another Bulls and six rant. Uh, the Celtics at least play fun basketball to watch. So like if they're beating the bulls ass, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is at least enjoyable to watch a team play good basketball. The books would be just probably truly miserable because they would just battery ram bash the bulls brains in with Giannis dunking on Tristan Thompson and Vooch and everybody. Uh, but yeah, I'm not doing the bulls in six. (laughs) Not happening. The sequel sequel is never as good as the original. (laughs) More importantly, I just don't believe. I just yeah. don't believe they can win. Whereas when they were going in to face that Celtics match, that Celtics team was not that, that was, good. That was the Isaiah Thomas yeah. Celtics. Obviously, they were the one seed in the East. Uh, they had Hayward, I believe, right? But I don't think they had Tatum yet. If I'm remembering this correctly, yeah, Tatum was a 2017 draft. Yeah. So, I mean, the Bulls are the best player in the series with Jimmy. 
So I really believe they could win that series at the time. I no longer believe the Bulls can win a first round series, but if we want to root for a Bulls in six, I feel like Philly is sort of the new Boston in terms of (laughs) having the loud, super annoying fan base and the team that just sucks to watch because all they're going to do is flop and try to get free throws. So if you want a Bulls in six column, maybe, maybe against Philly, but I'm not sure if it's going to shake out that way. I'm rooting for chaos. I want the Celtics to have to go to Toronto and not be able to bring their unvaccinated players. Right. And um, I, I agree the 76ers Bulls would be just a hilariously weird situation and st- keep me away from the Bucks. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm talking myself into Sixers here, but none of them are <laughs> real good options. Yeah. And as we talked about, we mentioned the Sixers have just been p- kind of playing like crap. Uh, but yeah, well, I mean, right now it looks like, I don't know what their schedule is like these last couple of games, but since they lost tonight, uh, looking like the like I said, four or five Sixers wrapped. But we'll see. We still got a, still got some games left to wrap this up. And we should probably wrap it up here. We've been going for a while. Uh, I guess my last question, just will to you, Will, is just like how how's the new gig been going? How you liking it? Uh, uh, obviously, I follow a bunch of you guys, and it seems like you guys are having a great time over at the new offices at CHGO. I got your shirt uh, in the mail from you guys. It was awesome yes. after signing up. It was a really cool shirt. So uh, just a little bit on obviously you just hype up your your new gig and the new company and all that. Yeah, it's been really fun. I appreciate you guys for. Uh, reading and watching and listening to our stuff. Um, we do a daily podcast with uh, Matt Peck, Big Dave, and then Mark Karanzoulis comes on about once a week. Um, I've been covering the team for last week or so full-time. So I'm around, I'll be around for the playoffs. I'm traveling to whoever they're nice. playing. Oh. So that will be really oh, fun. Yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a different form of covering the bulls than I ever have before. So trying to keep it fresh, trying to, you know, provide content that you you wouldn't see from uh, Casey and Rob Schaefer and Darnell and all those guys who are just so good at what they do that. I don't really want to try to be, you know, replicate that. Right. Um, So yeah, it's been a lot of fun and um, we'll have to get you guys down in the studio to do a show soon. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We'd love to do it. Love to see see around. So that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, Ricky, you got anything else? Or can we wrap up here? I think you can wrap it up. All right. Awesome. Thank you to Will. I guess again, just last shout out for where they could find you on social media, all your channels. Will, all your all your stuff. One more time. Yeah. Um, follow me at Won't Gottlieb. Uh, you can follow um, at chgo underscore bulls for our bulls content on Twitter. And then the website, allchgo.com. That's where you'll get all my written content. Um, and then the Bulls podcast, chgo underscore Bulls. So yeah, check it all out. Awesome. Thank you so much again. Always great talking to you, man. Even if uh, the situations are kind of crappy <laughs> now, we still have Bulls playoff basketball coming up. I'm going to talk myself into it. I'll get excited. I know the game one when they lose by whatever, 25 in wherever the hell they're playing will probably bring us down. But you know what? I'll talk myself into getting excited. I know it'll be just fun to have Bulls playoff basketball to talk and yammer and write about. So that'll be great. So we got two regular season games left. We got the home finale. I guess, first of all, the Bucks are going to beat the Celtics here. So it looks like Bucks going to go up into the two seed for right now. Boston down to three. So that means as of right now, Bulls Celtics uh, would be the matchup. So yes, back to this. Uh, where the hell was I? Obviously just finishing up here. Bulls playoff basketball. Uh, Bulls 
Hornets Friday night, regular season home finale. We'll see who plays. I would guess the main guys play just for the home finale or whatever. At least play a little bit. We'll see how they manage it throughout the game. Uh, the Hornets, uh, Bulls have handled them pretty well. Maybe they'll actually get a win, maybe build some of that rhythm that Billy's talking about. It would be nice to get a feel-good win here after some of these beatdowns. Obviously, you don't want them going in the playoffs like shit. In, uh, in Minnesota to end the season on Sunday, I don't give a shit about that game. If they lose that one, don't play anybody who cares. But we will probably be back for a pod, I think, early next week after the season is over. We'll do a season wrap-up pod uh, and then look ahead to the playoffs after that. So that'll do it for us here at Cash Considerations, HI Wolves Podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Please go check out all the other great pods that call all across the network, especially with the playoffs coming up. Tons of great content for us here at Cash. Rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those good places. Rating us helps out. Let us know how we're doing. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SB underscore Ricky. And then shout out to Fuzzgun for our intro this season. Go check out his SoundCloud. So, Jason and Ricky and Will Gottlieb from CHGO. This has been Cast Considerations, HKI Bulls Podcast. Talk to you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.